So we're still in this series, Faith and Prayer, and I guess you have figured out we don't rush through things on Wednesdays. We take our time, and frankly, I don't know of anything more important to talk about than faith and prayer anyway. We left off last time talking about how that you need to develop your own faith. You need to have your own faith. I think it's great to have someone pray for you, but when you have someone pray for you, uh, make sure they know what they're doing and make sure they have faith. Amen. Amen. Uh, we said last Wednesday that everyone should build their own faith life. Say it out loud. Everyone, everyone. should build their own faith life. Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, for tonight, the, the, the focal word in those verses is whosoever. And so it's not a matter of a special person over here or a special person over there. It's whosoever. And so you can build your own faith life. You can strengthen yourself spiritually. Seems like most people just float through life carelessly, I guess I would say, until some big obstacle or challenge or life-changing event occurs. And in this, I'm a John Osteen subscriber. I was, uh, I was listening to two of my messages this afternoon and I could hear John Osteen in them. John Osteen used to say, do everything you can do in the natural. Take it right up to the line of what you can do in the natural and then believe God. So we do that in every area. You know, we save money. We see that in the book of Proverbs. We invest money. We see that in the book of Proverbs. But there have been times where uh, that wouldn't get it done. Well, then we believe God. Same thing with our bodies. You know, uh, I think Sue's probably more faithful on vitamins than I am. And uh, we have been working on uh, eating real food, not junk. So we take it right up to the line, do everything we can in the natural. But then there come, comes a point where you just have to believe God. And so he used to call it leaving no stone unturned on the way to faith. And I always liked that because it seemed to me that God would never do for me what I could do for myself. He's never come and written out the checks and paid the bills. He's never uh, cut the grass. He's never, I'll tell you one thing, I, w I wish to God the angels would change light bulbs at my house. But uh, anything I can do for myself, he doesn't do. So this whole thing, this whole heresy going on right now, uh, sadly, even in the ranks of former faith teachers and preachers, that it doesn't matter what we do, doesn't matter how we live, this is total nonsense. Uh, if somebody saves money, they're going to have a different result from somebody who doesn't save money. If somebody counts their calories, they're going to have a different result from somebody who doesn't count the calories. It's just nonsense to tell people that it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter whether they give or not. It's just nonsense. 
We left off talking about some faith facts that would help you build your own faith life. And first and foremost is the word of God is yours. Tell your neighbor, the Bible is God speaking to me. And the Bible is God speaking to you. And actually, I learned that back in the 70s from the first... Uh, I'm trying to remember if I met him first or Lester Summerall. On my way home, I'll, I'll remember. But uh, Finest Jennings Dake is really the one that got me focused on this, that, that the Bible is mine. Say it out loud, the Bible is mine. The Bible is mine. And so nobody has any greater right to believe the word of God than you do. Amen. So it's for all of us. Amen. Every promise is yours. And I know that there are people who love to say, well, that was for the Jews. Well, apparently they're illiterate and haven't read Galatians 3. Because in Galatians 3, we find out that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So I have every right to go into the Old Testament for example, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That is as much mine as it was King David's. Amen. Amen. And uh, so it all belongs to us. And we left off last time in John 15, 1 to 8. I am the true vine and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So in this discourse, what is the operative word or concept? In this discourse, what is the operative word or concept? Fruit. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Now, why would he say remain in me and I will remain in you if it were not possible to not remain in him? Why would he say, remain in me and I will remain in you if it were not possible to not remain in him? And then let me ask you this. When he says, remain in me and I will remain in you, does that or does that not require some action, activity, or effort? It does. It does. No branch can bear fruit. Again, fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit Again, fruit, unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me. Now, why would he say if a man remains in me if it were not possible for a man to not remain in him? If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Now, that right there ought to be alarming. Because if we're not bearing much fruit, are we remaining in him and are his words remaining in us? If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from, when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing, he's not talking about cutting the grass or changing light bulbs. He's talking about supernatural things. And so he's talking about supernatural fruit. So as a believer, all of us ought to live lives where we bear supernatural fruit. And of course, I'm talking about winning people to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about seeing people baptized in the Holy Spirit, seeing people set free and delivered from porn or drugs or alcohol or whatever it is. And uh, 
and then seeing miracles of provision. I know some people have a prejudice against miracles of provision, but you see miracles of provision all through the Bible. Jesus' first miracle. The wedding at Cana, I believe that's John 5, was a miracle of provision. You see it all through the word of God. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me. Now, why would he say if anyone does not remain in me unless it were possible to not remain in him? If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. Now, verse 7 is the focus verse. And I want to preface what I'm about to say or before I read verse 7 with these comments that in our lifetime together, you understand it was 49 years ago in one month that I preached my first message. Sue and I coming up in August 7 will have been married 46 years in our journey. There are two, th two things that have happened and they've kind of been on parallel rails and they have sabotaged many. And that is this thing of celebrity worship, focusing on celebrities. I remember when I was a boy, you know, just a little boy, and, and I thought the way that women behaved around Elvis was insane. And then later it was the Beatles. Well, little did I know as a seven or eight-year-old that that's where the whole world was headed. I mean, it's, it's just amazing to me. And I didn't realize what full gospel, these full gospel mega ministries had done, sucking up to celebrities until when my son-in-law and my daughter were here last time, Derek and I sat and watched a documentary on Scientology. This has been part and parcel of their strategy for growth is they have a whole department and all they do is suck up to celebrities. And that way they can say, see, this celebrity is a Scientologist and that celebrity is a Scientologist. And so some of these huge Christian organizations have done this. And the problem with that is, the problem with that is you're treating people with partiality. This is particularly prohibited in the book of James. And so you understand if a, uh, I can think of one or two men of God, they might show up, there's one retired, and if he showed up Sunday, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, of course, we'd give him a, a seat. But if a Dallas Cowboy showed up Sunday, first off, I wouldn't know that it was a Dallas Cowboy. And, and the second thing is, no, you know, you sit where you sit. In other words, we're not going to show favoritism. And if a rich man shows up, we don't show favoritism. Now that, that, that could be hard for you to believe. But this is in the book of James and we are doers of the word of God. And the Bible teaches in the book of James to show no partiality. And so we have done our best to not do that. We've had some famous people in this church over the years. Truly famous but we never pointed them out. We never made a big deal of them. Truly famous. So, 
on the one hand, there's this ridiculous chasing after celebrities, but a parallel rail is a disregard for the word of God. And I think that the last few years have made this manifestly evident. Manifestly evident. We live in a society now that's nothing but a conglomeration of cults. That's all it is. Yeah, I think, in retrospect, a lot of it began with abortion. That's not a baby. That's a glob of tissue. It ain't nothing till it's born. This is nonsense. I believe, if I remember right, it's about day nine. A baby's heart starts beating. You know, if somebody strokes out or has a heart attack, they get pronounced by the heartbeat. Well, if somebody's dead because they don't have a heartbeat, isn't somebody alive because they have a heartbeat? Amen. Does that stand to reason? And so it's been, and then the next one I remember coming down the line was, well, God made him that way. See, it's just one cult, one lie after the next. And there's so many now, you can't even keep track of it all. But it's all, and so you've got churches and preachers chasing numbers, chasing money, chasing attendance. And so they have to subscribe to every new cult coming along. You know, I'm just horrified. I'm just horrified. I'm just horrified. Famous, famous, famous ministers wearing a mask. If you get your theology from some guy wearing a mask, something's wrong with your, your mental abilities. I mean, how could the guy have any faith? I mean, if... If, if there was only one person in town without a mask, shouldn't it be a man of God? Amen. It's amazing to me. So churches, Austin went to a, and if I mentioned the name, you'd be horrified. But Austin went to a, 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 a church conference and not the guy, not the one of these most famous people in the world, but somebody who works for him said, a half a verse will do for your sermon. And when you give them a half a verse, don't even give them the reference. And this is all based on surveys they've done. And so they, they do surveys. I don't know where they do these surveys. Maybe at the Satanic Temple, I'm not sure. <laughs> and uh, what do you like about church? What do you don't like about church? Well, of course, you know, they don't, they don't like... If, if you do a survey of unsaved people, they're going to say they don't like the Bible, they don't like Bible references, and what do they really not like? Talk to me, what do they really not like? Offerings. And so this is where all this came from. And we just made a determined decision, and we're still on the path that we're, we're going to stay with the Word of God. Somebody might say, well, you know, you could be bigger if you went the other way. Yeah, I could go to hell too. You know, in other words, I'm just not going to go that, I'm just not going to go that route. Amen. Amen. If you study what Jesus said in the Gospels, you'll find out that 
the metric or the measure that we are going to be judged by is whether or not we were faithful. If you even go to a Webster's Dictionary and you look up the word faithful, it means true to the original. In the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. So if I'm going to be judged faithful, that means I need to be true to the original. And since I'm on it, let's go ahead and cover it. And my bride's over there and she's in absolute agreement. It costs us everything. It costs us our attendance. If it cost us our assets, if it cost us this property, if it cost us our lives, we will not bend and we will not bow. Amen. But I notice taking that posture, the opposite has happened. That we just get more blessed all the time. There's no debt here. We don't owe anybody anything but the debt of love. Now there'll, there'll be some borrowing on phase two, but we're believing God that when we cut the ribbon, that it'll be paid off. And, uh, you know, I notice I don't, I, I haven't needed any surgeries and I'm not going to knock on wood. <laughs> I don't take any pills. I got all my original parts. I've outlived three generations of Lingerfelts. I just keep trucking. So apparently, standing with the Word of God has been working for us. Amen. Can you see that? Yes. And if it's working, why would I consider a different route? Amen. Oh, I know, to make people happy. I have lived long enough to figure out that people are either happy or they're unhappy, and if they're unhappy, I can't make them happy. Amen. Tell your neighbor, get happy. Back at I-30, we had happy camper pills. We'd hand them out. You're not happy, here's some pills. <laughs> it was a joke. Amen. <laughs> if you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Now, why would he say, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, if it were not possible to not remain in him? And if it were not possible for his words to not remain or abide in you? And people will say, well, it's just too much. It's too much to remember. You know, it's just too much to do. It's too much to... But those same people could tell you, um, you know, the standing of the Rangers right now or some pitchers, ERA, or some, some batters, batting average. They, they know stuff. It's just that they have not applied their heart to this wisdom. They know stuff. They just have not decided to put that effort and energy into this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you and my words remain in you and my words remain in you. So what has happened just in our lifetime? And I know what it is and it's a heartbreak. And I went to him about this about six, seven, eight years. Well, it was, it was the year before the power lunches. And I went to him about this, and he said, son, there's nothing you can do about that. Because you have to understand that when we started out, we, we started our married life out, I guess it was at the tail end of the Jesus movement. And we were never in the Jesus movement, but we knew people that had been a part of that. Winky Prattney was a preacher from New Zealand. Barry McGuire, 
Keith Green. I remember standing in, uh, on the old Agape Force Ranch in Lindale, Texas, that's gone, talking to those three. They love Jesus. You know, David Wilkerson was a crusty prophet, but you couldn't be in his presence 30 seconds without feeling his love for Jesus. But what's happened as churches, preachers, and it's, it's their responsibility, and let's go back to the book of James. The book of James says that those who teach and preach the word of God will be judged more harshly. Amen. And so they're responsible. They're responsible because they've tried to make their churches cool. And look, if we can make, make it cool, here in a week or two, we're going to have a LED, uh, I don't know what it's called. You know, we're going to see what that's like. You know, I'm all for cool, but I'm not changing my theology. Amen. You know, so, you know, we updated the building. We put fresh tile out there. Um, <laughs> we even put uh, new faucets in all the bathrooms. You know, why would we do that? Why, that? That is so wasteful. Well, I don't know about you, but I hate going somewhere and washing my hands and the handle comes off in my hands. And so that's not faith. So we can't have that at Faith Christian Center. Amen? And so I, I like that, you know, updated, you know, cool, new colors. I like that. But we're not changing our theology. See, because he says, now, the question I want to ask you is, what price would you pay if you could live at that level? The, the John 15, 7 level, because Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. But it's, it's, apparent, it's, it's obvious at face value people don't really believe this. Because there's so little word. There's so little emphasis on the word. There's so little study of the word. But what would that be like to live at that level whatsoever you wish? What would that be like? See, and I'm trying to get you there. A couple of years back, I'd have to look up the day. I mean, we're flying to Miami in a private jet. And uh, you understand, I mean, I'm, I mean, there's nothing wrong with me. But, you know, I am 66. So, you know, and I'm trying to sleep. You know, because that's a long flight, two and a half hours, whatever. And I, I said, I want to thank you, Father God, for your kindness to an old man that I could travel like this. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, you can travel like this because you sent Bud Sickler across the Atlantic on his final journey across the Atlantic on a Concorde. See, in other words, there's no chance there's no luck. Amen. It's a seed sown. Amen. And I don't know that it'll happen. Well, it would have already happened months ago. But over here, south, west of here, two or three hundred yards, every year tulips come up. So some farmer's wife, how many years back, because we've been here 16 years, how many years back, did some farmer's wife plant tulips? 
And year after year after year after year, the seed produces like kind. But that's the word. See, the word itself is a seed. Say it out loud. The word itself is a seed. See, and it produces. And I think another thing, we're talking about those two rails. A third thing that has happened is this whole thing of looking to government as God, which is the most ridiculous thing I can imagine. You know, to look to somebody that doesn't even know what day of the week it is. And then they're broke. Did you know your net worth is higher than the United States of America? Did you know your, your net worth is higher than the United States? Did you know your net worth is higher than the United States of America? And so to, to, to make that your God, that's ridiculous. I mean, the only way they could ever hope to pay off all this debt is to start selling these national parks to the Chinese to build condos. And we may see that. I don't know how, how they are, because at some point, somebody's going to want their money. You understand this. It's, and you don't understand wars are fought over debt. Amen. Yeah. You know, they just act like, well, we'll just print it. Somebody's going to want their money. If you remain in me and my words remain and you ask whatever you wish and it will be given you, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, 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 fruit. It's all about fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. The New King James says, if ye abide, the NIV, let's go there. Well, we were in the NIV. And the New King James says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, what you desire. And yet I've heard preachers say, well, that thing of God giving you your desires, that's Old Testament. That doesn't apply to us. But right here in the New King James, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Shall be done for you. Shall be done for you. But see, it's all based on the word of God. He's talking about prayer fruit. Jesus was talking about prayer fruit. And notice what else he says in John 15, 8. But by this, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So you can say, as you approach prayer and faith, you can say, Father God has said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask what whatever you wish and it will be given you. And this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And I know people want to encapsulize fruit and define it as this or that. I see all of it as fruit. The people that we've won to Jesus, the people that we've seen delivered from drugs and alcohol, people we've seen healed, you know, the money that has come. I see all of it as fruit. This is prayer fruit. And it's going to be borne by one of the branches. And you can say to yourself, I'm one of the branches. I'm abiding in him. See, if you're, if you're born again and you're living the life, you're, you're remaining in him. But then the, people don't go the next step, and that is to get the word of God remaining in them. So when your heart can speak like this, then you, you know that when you approach the throne of grace, there is a willing ear to hear you, and that whatever you ask, because the word of God is living in you, you will receive. And you have to understand you don't have to understand, but in my life, it's a rare thing for me to ask the Lord for anything. I make my confessions and I praise him. So 
Father God has written you a love letter. And so, of course, Satan has tried to talk people out of it. And, of course, Satan has done his best to get it out of the churches. You know, there's a church down the road doing movie night. There's no point in doing movie night because every night in everybody's house is movie night. See, and, and we had this discussion with the architects, and I said, I said, well, you know, I, I, I don't understand it. I said, because, you know, we would go down there to Central Assembly of God in Springfield, Missouri. It was just a, a great big rectangular room with a U-shaped balcony, and I said, we sang boring hymns, and, and we heard the word of God, but I said, we were completely happy because we were going to church. We weren't going to a movie. We were going to church. Amen. See, but... John Osteen used to say the church has gotten so worldly and the world has gotten so churchy you can hardly tell the difference. But the church, the world gave up that churchy part. Now they don't even do that. So you've got the church acting like the world, imitating the world. See, all of it is designed to get people off the word of God. This is the power right here. And listen, I know when you do the annual Bible reading, it's horrifying, it's horrifying you know, I just came through 2 Kings, 1 2 Kings, 1 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Oh my God, it's horrifying. And once I get through Job, Psalms, and Proverbs, well, then I'll be in the minor prophets. Then we get back to horrifying. It's horrifying, you know, because you got all this crime, you got all these murders, you got all this stuff going on, you got all these uh, false prophets, false prophets everywhere. It seems like for every true prophet of God, there must have been at least 10 or 20 false prophets. Well, I don't know why it's surprising. It's kind of like 2022. And you got, you got ministers, which would be prophets in those days, telling the kings what they wanted to hear. It's the same thing over and over and over with people, with human beings. So God has written you a love letter. And, and listen, somebody might brag on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Look, if it weren't for this book right here, we wouldn't even know about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I mean, whatever you want to talk about, this is how we know about it. This is how we get information about God. This is how we get information about the will of God. This is the standard. This is it. And so when people say, well, this sin is okay or that sin is okay, who put them in charge to edit the word of God? Amen. And then at the, at the end of Revelation, Jesus specifically says, if you add anything to this book, the curses of this book will be added unto you. So why would anybody dare to take from the word or add to the word? But people do it all the time. My point is that if you need healing, it's in here. If you need deliverance, it's in here. If you need to be set free from some besetting sin, it's in here. It's all in here. The information's in here. The problem is it's not organized and because it was written over thousands of years. And so you have to get into it and find your answer. But the answer's in there. The answer's in there. And thank God for the Holy Spirit of God because... Just the other day, I was saying to my family, I don't know how to respond to that person. You know, it's somebody that's gone apostate and they want me to, they want to have a convo with me. Look, there's no point in talking to me uh, if somebody's 
given up the tenets of Christianity because I don't have anything to talk to them about. So what do I, how do I respond? You know, how do I respond when I get a phone call? How do I respond when I get a phone message, when, I, when there's a message on my phone? And I was, I was thinking about this, and the Lord took me to a scripture. It's in Amos. I didn't bring the reference, but it says, when the times are evil, the wise man remains silent. There was my answer. See, there's my, the answer to everything you are wondering about is in here. You just have to find it. And thank God for the Holy Spirit of God, because a lot of times he'll bring it to our remembrance. So I've gotten in this habit, I say to the Lord, I know my answer is in the word, show it to me or bring it back to my recollection because I've read it through I don't know how many times. Amen. And that's what he did the other day. When, when times are evil, the, the, the man of wisdom remains silent. In other words, and maybe you need to act like that on the job. You just can't go to work telling those people everything you believe. You know, you just have to be quiet. Amen. Because they'll hand you over to the tormentors and uh, human resources. So Jesus and Father God have, they've written you a love letter. This is it. It's a key to everything. And that's why Satan is attacking it. The Lord spoke to me on Sunday, July 10, and said, you can tell what is important by what is being attacked. And what is being attacked? Fatherhood, motherhood, family, and the word of God, the Bible. That's what's being attacked. So that you know that's what's important. And Jesus has written you a love letter. Father God has written you a love letter. It's called the word of God. And then Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So that's our job. And somebody might say, well, you know, I don't have enough time. Well, you got enough time for this and that. You got enough time for Facebook. You got enough time for Instagram. Got enough time, God forbid, for TikTok. Got enough time for, for look, we just have to discipline ourselves. You know, I notice my son on some Sundays, uh, he'll, he'll put a laptop there or he'll put a phone there and he times them and he watches them. And so I don't know what the minute limit is, about five minutes, you know, Sophie gets on there. They're looking at shoes and purses, you know, girl stuff. And, but he's watching, he's monitoring, and then, then it goes to the next person. But you just can't leave, you just can't leave children alone with electronic stuff. I hope you're smart enough to realize this. I hope you're smart enough to realize that any electronic device can get to porn within moments. You cannot, tell your neighbor, you cannot, you cannot allow, children allow children unlimited access, unlimited access to, anything to anything electronic. electronic. You can't do it. You can't, and, and now the surveys tell us that the porn viewing is growing exponentially among young girls. Used to be, a, you know, like a boy thing. Now it's, it's girls are doing this. You just can't afford it. Amen. You know, I believe that the internet was something that God saw as being a way to get the gospel out. We have over, I think it's 110 subscribers on YouTube. It's just, it just amazes me. There's people watching, I'm sure right now from Ireland and different places. It just blows my mind. Dubai, can you imagine? People watching Faith Christian Center from Dubai. It's amazing. But anything that can be used for good can be used for evil. Amen. And so anything electronic is Satan's doorway into your home. Anything electronic is Satan's doorway into the mind of your child. 
and Satan is after your children. Didn't the month, doesn't every June prove Satan is after your children? It's all about the Bible. It is, truly. You want to find out about success in the book of Deuteronomy? Moses told him, he said, uh, talk about the word with your children when you're walking down the road. Talk, to, talk about your, your family. Talk to your family about the word of God when you sit to eat. Talk. Let's see, we're talking about celebrities. We're talking about the Kardashians. Why? I, I, I don't understand that at all. You know, at least I understood Elvis being famous, but people are famous today for no reason I can perceive. And these Hollywood people, oh my gosh, go back and watch black and white movies. The extras are more beautiful human beings than the stars in 2022. I mean, some of these people are homely, frightening, <laughs> ugly. Horrendous looking people. Truly. These are all snipe hunts. Right. Who's wearing this latest fashion? Who's carrying this, the what purse? Who's driving what car? The, the, the only thing that matters is what are you carrying and what are you driving and, and, and what are you living in? That's all that matters. Amen. And listen, I know this is a Wednesday night and it's not a family life seminar, but let me tell you something. If you do not handle your children right, they are going to be a burden to you all the days of your life. You are going to have to carry them. You're going to have to nursemaid them. You're going to have to, you're going to, you're going to, if you don't raise your children correctly, you're going to have to raise your grandchildren. But if you will put in the effort in that window, it's a window. When Sue and I got married coming up on 46 years ago, if somebody had told me that we would live more years of our lives without children than with children, I would never believe that. But it just seemed like zip, zam, boom, and they're gone. But if you will put in the effort, if you'll put in the time, if you will make the word of building the word of God into their little precious hearts your priority and teaching them to live right and to do right. See, right now I'm in a beautiful place because it's all on autopilot. I'm going to brag on Drew Mamas here. You know, he did it right. He went and got his two degrees and he found a gal and you know, she's uh, like-minded, equally yoked, and I'm embarrassing you, but it's too bad. I'm, I'm the one with the microphone. <laughs> and uh, see, but okay, but my point is, so, so far as he is concerned now for his mom and dad, he's on autopilot. See, he's got a great job, married this gal, she's got a great job. You know, they're both educated. You know, they're, now they're on autopilot. But you let them do drugs, you let them do alcohol, you let them drop out of school. You let them stay up all night doing video games. You let them sleep with 15 people. You're going to have a basket case on your hands all the days of your life. And there'll be no end to it. There'll be no end to the lawyers. There'll be no end to the divorces. There'll be no end to the custody battles. There'll be no end to it. There'll be no end to the rehab costs. So you put in the effort. Then they get well married, they're well educated. 
then they're on autopilot. And then you can live in my world. They come visit, and they don't ask to borrow money. It's a wonderful thing. Nobody in jail. Nobody in rehab. I've never spent a nickel on a lawyer for either child. Never spent a nickel on a bail bondsman for either child. I've never paid the rent or mortgage payment for, for, or, or a car payment because somebody couldn't pay it. Not one time. Not one time. Not one time. We whipped those little asses and we got them ready for life. <laughs> That's a Bible word. <laughs> Amen. You, you understand? See, so there's an example. Why did he, why did he go down that road? Because that is a, the Bible way. Spoil, spare the rod, and spoil the child. And there are people, and their children are just as spoiled. I don't know what it is about my lovely wife. She hates throwing away bananas. Look, when they're, when they're brown... They're gone, they're gone, they're gone. They're, they ain't coming back. They ain't coming back. You understand? And, and then they get to that sweet, stinky smell. And you know, when she's not looking, I'm throwing away bananas, throwing away bananas, throwing away bananas. Spoiled. What good is something spoiled? Oh, you're just old. I, see? And, and my, my parents' generation, that's when that book came out by Dr. Benjamin Spock, and it was all this new age nonsense, and look what's happened to the country, look what's happened to America, look what's happened, because people gave up doing things the Bible way. And when... When people go down the road of drug addiction or alcohol addiction or they, they're unproductive, they stay up all night playing video games, they're unproductive, they're unfruitful, look at their countenances. Look at their countenances. I see these young couples, they're happy. Oh yeah, they're happy. You know, they're young, they're married, they're healthy, they're happy. You know, they, they're, they own a home, bills are paid, they're happy. Amen. Amen. God's way, I'm bragging on them, God's way is the best way. Amen. God's way is the best way. Do things God's way. It seems so simple. Because of the people that raised me, I knew when I got married, I didn't know anything about marriage. I knew that. How did I know that? I don't know. But somehow instinctively I knew I didn't know anything about being married. So I went to the Bible. We studied James Dobson. We would go to seminars. James Dobson would hold seminars in Fort Worth. We'd go. Tim and Beverly LaHaye, you don't know those names, but they did marriage seminars. We'd go to those marriage seminars in Fort Worth. Why? Because I, at least, at least I had, I, how did I have that understanding? I don't know. But I knew that because of who raised me, I didn't know how to be a husband. So where did I find out how to be a husband? From the Word of God. And, and the good thing, and the reason you can trust the Bible is, it tells you the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
It tells you about David's affair with Bathsheba and how it turned out. In other words, the Bible deals with not just the nice stuff, but all of it. And then March 7, 1982, Austin was born. And it dawned on me. I don't know how to be a father. It was never modeled for me. I didn't know the first thing about it. I sure I knew this. I knew this. I didn't want to be the kind of husband my father was. And I knew this. I didn't want to be the kind of father my father was. I knew that. So I went back to the Bible. Had to go back to the Bible. I went to Deuteronomy. I went to Proverbs. I just did what is said. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Then we would... Read James Dobson books, get, you see, in other words, if you get incompetent help, it's not going to help you. And I don't understand this new thing of getting your information from losers. I, I, I guess I'm not cool enough for that. You know, I want to get my information from competent people. Yeah, so man, we, man, we, we got made, baby. Everybody productive, everybody happy, everybody faithful, everybody tithing. They make their own money. So when I show up, I can be a blessing. See, nobody's hitting me up for rent. Do you understand? Nobody's hitting me up for a bail bondsman. Nobody's hitting me up for money for a divorce, divorce lawyer. Nobody's hitting me up for money on a child custody. So I can be a blessing. I show up, all the needs are met, all the bills are paid. I can, I can just show up and be a blessing. Amen. And when I see something in one of their two homes I don't like, I have Sue handle it. <laughs> you, know, you know, about this or that, because, you know, I... I can be a little strong, so I just let Sue handle it. <laughs> you know, you need, you need to tell them this, you need to tell them that, amen. Get these little troops in line. There you go. Because see, you think your job's done, your job's not done. You, as a parent, your job's not done because there's a whole other crop coming up now. And actually, it's more precarious. Amen. It's more precarious. It's more dangerous out there than it's ever been. Morally, it's more dangerous than it's ever been. So your job starts all over. But it's wonderful. It's wonderful, it's wonderful, it's wonderful. They can pray over Sunday lunch as competently as Sue or I or their parents, any of them. Any of them that can talk. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. There's nothing like it. They, they come home from church and they bring you their little salvation card from Children's Church. There's nothing like it. Because you think they're sweet little darlings. Oh, no. They got the seed of Adam in them. They need to be saved. They need to be born again. Oh, not mine. Mine's perfect. You're lying to yourself. They got the, they got, they got, they may look sweet, but they're the spawn of Adam. So they need, they need to be one to Jesus. They need to be born again. They need to be saved. That's right. Then Amen. later on, later on, later on, they need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Absolutely. You don't think in 2022 
a teenager needs the Holy Spirit of God, that inner witness to stay away from this person or don't go over there or don't sign up for that class. No, we need the Holy Spirit more in this day than any generation has ever needed the Holy Spirit of God. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, and that's what the church has done, and it's the preacher's fault. They abandoned the Bible. And look at the wreckage. Look at the wreckage. Look at the wreckage. Look at the wreckage. I don't know if I could. I don't have that with me. There's a chart that's just horrifying, just horrifying about the percentage of young Americans living with their parents versus living with a spouse. And the percentage of young Americans living with a spouse has gone down, 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 down. I think if I remember right, it's down to 22%. You, this, there's no future for a society. When grown children at age 30 are living with their parents. Somebody didn't prepare them. Somebody didn't prepare them. And you need to guide your children. This is one reason I'm a believer in St. Paul's. They, they need socialization. Texting is not talking. They, they need to learn how to talk to boys. They need to learn how to talk to girls. They need to learn how to uh, play team sports. They need to learn how to share all of these basics. It's important. Because at some point, they need to be productive, don't they? They need to be able to hold down the job, don't they? If they're a nurse, don't they need to be able to talk to people? They can't mumble their way through, right? right. CPA, attorney, what, a school teacher, whatever they do, they need to learn how, they need to be, they're going to have to learn how to interact with the other people, right? Can't all be about them. Imagine being a nurse and the patient comes in the office and, and the nurse says, well, let me tell you about my life and about my day. No, they don't care about that. They're, they're there for their appointment. We have a relative that's homeschooled and my daughter was telling me she showed up and sat there and told Christina all about her life for 10 minutes and got up and left. And Christina thought, why'd you come? In other words, this is this generation. They, they don't know how to talk to people. They don't know how to interact because, well, nobody took the time or trouble. Right. So I want you to be blessed. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. But I can't help myself. I'm a vision guy, so I see the next generation. Some of the biggest givers in this church grew up in this church's children. So apparently the strategy of emphasizing proper child rearing and teaching children faith has paid off. Amen. I mean, some of the biggest givers in this church grew up in this church's children. And some of the biggest, some of the biggest givers in this church didn't have a father that was worth a bucket of spit. And they looked to me. And I helped them. And it comes back. It's the beauty of the body of Christ. So we want them to believe, we want them to believe in themselves that they can do it. 
They don't have to hide mommy's basement with a laptop wearing a mask by themselves. <laughs> you know, they can go out into the world and they can make their way. They can go out in the world and they can meet other people. They can talk to other people. They can function. They can get an education. They can make a living. They can get equally yoked. They can have a life. We want them to believe in themselves. Amen? What's that called? Faith. Not just faith in God, faith in themselves. Austin's up there tonight substituting for Aaron Wood. What do you think he's trying to tell those young people? To believe in themselves. Don't hand yourself over to the world. Don't allow people to use you. Believe in yourself. You can do it. You can be somebody. You can, you can be something in life. You can have something. You can, you can have a home, but it's not going to just happen. You can have a life, but it's not just going to happen. It's going to take some effort. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. It's all about the word. You may sit here tonight and think, man, he old. Yeah, but I know what works. Come down through that word. Do it the word way. You get the word of God results. See, if you do it by the theories, ideas, and opinions of man, you're going to get the results of the theories, the ideas, and the opinions of man. But if you'll do it the Bible way, you're going to get the Bible results. Now we have to make right decisions. We, gotta, we have to train our children to make right decisions. We have seen it. It happens. We have seen it. We have seen some people marry poorly. It's sad. It's sad. So we have to help them there in, our, in their decision-making process to make good decisions and to help them see that not everybody that says, I love you or says, I want you, uh, that doesn't mean anything. Can a, kid, can a boy hold a job? Is a boy cheap? Is his idea of a date a hot dog at QT? You know, does he leave a tip? These are huge issues. How about temper? Does he have a temper? Stay away from that. We have to train him. Train him. You got to train him. You got to train him. The same people that will get a new puppy and go to great lengths to train it, will not train their sons and daughters. What does that say? Yeah, but pastor, you know, that's a dog. We got to train it. Well, it's a child. You got to train. At least the, at least the dog's not going to, well, hopefully, unless it's a pit bull, hopefully the dog's not going to cost you lawyer bills later. But, you know, your child could cost you a bail bondsman, lawyer bills. There's no end to it. Rehab costs, there's no end to it. Train them. You have, a, you have a window. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God for his word. Can you say amen? amen.